Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us on the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. Actually going to be sharing a story here today about a Jeep Wrangler build that we're having done for a customer. Going to share all the info and share that build over on the HyperClean Specialist Group. So go check us out there. If you want to check out the products, hypercleanstore.com, as most of you already know. I've had a great week in the shop, had a great week in the business, but I want to start with some thoughts here on a post that David Fermani put on Facebook. Talking about PPF and how you shouldn't be paint correcting before PPF. Echoing the thoughts that I've had. What is that now? Two years publicly, I've had that talk with many of you privately. Many of you on this podcast have heard Marty and I talking about this. And if you haven't gone and checked out his post, go check it out. It talks about how much gets covered up with PPF leaving paint systems intact. But also when you remove PPF, you're going to have adhesive left behind. So you're going to have to aggressively usually use some force to get that off and you're going to mar the paint. You're going to have to paint correct after that. So you need as much paint as you can to do that correction after removal. Go look at the post. It's basically what we share all the time here. Let's analyze what's going on at the time we make the comments. But I want to start with a flawed theory. And this is where David Fermani's post is just talking about PPF. But let's build upon it. And let's have a conversation about what this really means in the scheme of everything. I think one of the things that bothers me the most is experts or so-called experts acting as experts on the internet. And they're not experts at all. So let me share with you a post I saw not too long ago from so-called industry veteran and expert on Facebook, where he talks about doing PPF at a shop and he goes, you know, we paint correct before we do PPF because we don't cover up blemishes here. You've seen those guys. Same goes in the ceramic coating world, right? Ceramic coating world shares the same thing. Oh, well, you know, what you guys don't understand is I'm going to paint correct because I don't cover up blemishes. The neighbor might see it, right? We simultaneously always say these things, and let's have a conversation about those things now. Let's talk about those things now. Let's say you one-step a vehicle. Actually, let me start here. How many of you think you paint correct to 100% paint clarity every time you paint correct? I probably know less than five people that I trust to get paint system to 100% clarity. Five in 24 years that I would send cars to and say, yeah, this guy will get it done. What about the flaws in paint systems from OEMs? Do you get those out too? Because that's a blemish. That's an imperfection, right? So no, you don't get those out. Some of them are permanent. So let's have a conversation about this. And again, we're doing it off, and I want to give the credit to this idea to David Fermani's post. That's what we should do when something makes us, you know, come up with content. 
you know, people don't do that. We have a lot of people that, that don't have that ethic, but let's talk about this. How many of you do a one step? And so let me share somebody. I've got a guy on TikTok. He's supposedly runs a good shop and sells some product and, and has a lot of opinions about a lot of things. Cool. I'm great with that. But you'll hear him say, I'm never going to put a ceramic coating on without paint correcting. Because what if somebody sees it and we have a certain quality and I don't cover up blemishes? Well, sure you do. You tell me you do one-step correction. One-step correction is going to get anywhere between 50 and 80% correction, right? So if you do a one-step, now you're covering up somewhere between 50, you know, 20 to 50% of defects. You're covering them up with the ceramic, right? You're, you're, you didn't get all of them out. So what you're telling me is, is that getting 50% of the defects out means you're not ceramic coating over defects because you didn't get them all out and you don't have the talent to get them all out. You don't have the processes to get them all out. You don't have the ability to get them all out. That's not who you are. That's not who most detailers are, which is a okay thing. But somehow if I do a one-step correction, I'm better than the guy that doesn't do any. Because you don't cover up blemishes. You see the flaw in the thinking already? You're covering up blemishes. Everybody that's laid down a ceramic coating in the history of ceramic coatings has covered up a blemish with ceramic coating. Doesn't mean that, that it's disappeared. I'm saying you coated over a blemish. You coated over a scratch. You coated over micromark. The same goes for those of you that say you paint correct before you put PPF on a car. You have covered up a blemish in your career, if not every time you've done it. And I would say the argument is you have coded over blemishes every time you've coded a car. So go back and tell me how you don't cover up blemishes. Or if you're a PPF guy like the one I shared on the Facebook uh, page, his own Facebook page where he said this, don't know the gentleman, but somehow it comes across my page all the time all this expert information he gives, none of it's good. But I, we don't cover up blemishes at my shop, Nick. Yes, you do. If I don't get 100% defect removal and 100% clarity in the paint, which basically almost never happens, you've covered up a blemish, you've covered up micro-marring, you've covered up something. And to what percentage is all dependent on what service you provided. But there's many of you that have two-stepped a car, heavy compound, then, then finished it out, and you haven't gotten it to 100% clarity. Maybe it's 100% to you, but have Jason Kilmer, who comes on here all has come on here and said, hey, man, I always think I can do better. You got guys like David Fermani. He, he, he goes straight into coding cars without paint correction. All of the highest-level people seem to operate in a certain way that they do what's right for the car. They do what's right for the customer. They do what's right for the moment. But then you have people that play experts on the internet and that's where we get into trouble. That's what's haunted the detailing industry during the whole ceramic coating boom. That's what's hurt this industry. There are true experts, and then there are people that play experts on the internet or play experts at a training or play experts wherever the case may be, a YouTube page, an Instagram page, a podcast. It doesn't matter. 
I'm not an expert, but I play one on TV defines a lot of the things that I see in, in the detailing industry. They haven't put in their time. If they have, they, they don't listen to anything. The reason paint correction should be taken seriously. And the reason guys like David Fermani and Jason Kilmer take it so seriously is paint's changing. You and I can't control what OEMs are going to do with their systems. So as they get less responsible and put less and less material on the surface, and you're still chopping away at paint, telling me you're an expert when your behavior shows you aren't. But once again, the flawed logic is where we started. I don't cover up blemishes. I don't code over blemishes. I don't put PPO, PPF over blemishes. Well, you don't have the ability to get 100% paint correction. So at some level, you've covered it up. You've done a one-step. You can't get it to 100% with a one-step. No chance. Okay, so you've covered up blemishes. You've coded over blemishes. You put PPF over blemishes. Why does this circulate the industry? Because it's an ego thing. I'm better than everybody because I do this extra step. No. You've taken money from your client that probably shouldn't have been taken. And I know Fermani got into this a little bit on his post. Would I run the other way? Yeah, I would. He said that in his post. I'd run the other way from detailers that are doing all of this correction, nonsensical correction that's going on. Because OEMs have changed. There's some paint systems, guys. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm not going to sit here and go through the list of the endless amounts of silly things going on in OEM paint systems. I just have to react to it and change and, and, and adapt to what's going on. But you have people that continue to say the same thing and they play experts on the internet. They play experts in a training facility. And what they do is they sink your business. They make you not an expert. They undermine your credibility without you knowing it. That's where we're at. And you're not covering things up to be a bad person to your customer. You're getting to give them a really, really great result without them having to come out of pocket another thousand or 2000 without them having to risk what may happen to their car if they have to pull off this PPF, you're giving them more options. And again, this wasn't really possible with PPF 10 or 15 years ago. So why not use technology to our advantage? Some of you don't think we should because you don't cover up blemishes, yet you can't achieve 100% paint correction. And that's not me judging anybody. That's me telling you the vast majority, 99.9% .9 of people that cut paint can't get 100% paint correction. So you've covered up blemishes, but where you draw the line in covering up blemishes makes it right. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works for any of us. But that's how nonsensical experts infect your brain, infect the industry, and say all these things that don't make any sense in the real world. And some of us are smart enough to see through it, and some of us get taken down by it. I keep telling you guys, we have shop after shop, mobile unit after mobile unit going out of this business, and the tough times aren't even here yet. Every single person that's struggling right now follows the same mantra that we've seen. How can I bleed my customer out of every nickel 
and get thousands upon thousands of dollars for every job I do, or it's not worth my time. And many of you don't see the writing on the wall that that was always the gravy train that was going away. And there's ways to make actually a lot more money on basics and not beat up, but you don't want to hear it because you don't cover up blemishes. But sure you do. But you're saying where you choose to draw a line is the right thing. That's why I don't draw a line. I say, hey, man, that's why we have great products like Uno and those. Those are great coding products that are terrific if somebody does a one-paint correction. Doesn't mean that's what I'm doing on my own personal vehicles, guys. Doesn't mean that's what I would do if it were my car. What it means is there are customers that don't need or want paint correction. And when we do PPF installation at my shop, we don't do paint correction on the parts that are going to be filmed. Haven't since I've opened my shop done it once. Not because I'm trying to get over on my client or I'm trying to cover a blemish. I'm trying to use technology to the advantage of my client and to the advantage of my business. And I'm also trying to keep the paint system as healthy as I can for the long term of the car that's choosing something as great a protection as PPF. So if I already care about the car, man, let's care about the car. But this is where we go again. We have so many people in this business that don't, don't understand what's going on in the car business. One of the first episodes I ever did by myself here on this podcast, I try to tell you guys, you're in the car business. But you don't cover up blemishes. You don't code over blemishes. You don't PPF over blemishes. Sure you do. Because you can't achieve 100% correction. So you've made the choice to draw a line somewhere. And now we're in this gray area where we can't explain ourselves. That's why it's such a silly opinion. David Fermani's opinion and, and my opinion are so black and white. Do what's right per the technology. Not do what's right per my personal ego. You can make these things black and white, but people acting like experts who aren't experts make everything a gray area because it makes it seem like they know something you don't know. No, it's very black and white. And if they can't make it black and white, that's a big red flag. They aren't an expert. I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night, so now I'm an expert, right? I mean, <laughs> if anybody remembers those commercials, that's what we're dealing with. And that's what we're dealing with when you have these conversations is I'm not trying to bang on anybody. I'm trying to say, let's take this post by David Fermani that he took time on on Facebook. And let's talk about how we've been saying this, the same thing. Everybody that knows what they're talking about is saying the same thing, except there's this large population of people acting like experts that get listened to that don't have any idea what they're talking about. And all it's doing is hurting our industry. It's hurting you. It's hurting the DIY guy because they're watching somebody's YouTube or listening to some nonsensical podcast of guys that really don't do this at a high level. Who, you, who are you going to listen to who's got a big effect on what you're going to do to take care of your car or take care of your business or take care of customers' cars or whatever? And so I thought it was an interesting post. But just remember my statement, because I'm sure you'll hear it somewhere else next week. Every single person who's ever laid a coating or PPF on a car has covered up or coated over or laid a piece of film over a blemish, over an imperfection. 
And so that's all we really need to say. If you're willing to lay it over an imperfection, why is your way better than everyone else's? It isn't. Use technology to your advantage and, and save your customers some money and do the right thing for the car. If you do those things, you're going to be in a good spot. But it takes education to do that. But it takes education from the right people. And that's where people playing experts on the internet are a big problem because bad information is cancerous. It's absolutely cancerous. Which one are you going to be? You're going to be the guy that keeps saying the same thing that you've been saying, or are you going to say, ah, you know what? Some, some guys with some sense and some guys that have been around and work on some really expensive cars are starting to say some things. And I'm going to change my mind and start to look into that. That's your choice. Not mine, not David Fermani's, not, not Jason Kilmer's. There's a bunch of great people to listen to, but I continue to see knuckleheads getting listened to, and I don't care if they're 50 years old, and I don't care if they're 20 years old. I see more ridiculous thing out of the more ridiculous stuff out of the older crowd on Facebook than I see bad stuff from the younger crowd. If you know my opinion, not that it matters, but the older guys in this industry are saying some wild things on Facebook. I mean, I can't believe what I see. So I thought I would build upon that to start the show. Let's talk about the Jeep Wrangler 392 that I had into the shop this week. This was about six to seven months in the making. We did a bunch of custom work or advised on a bunch of custom work to the vehicle. People aren't going to believe what this cost. So $210,000 Jeep Wrangler. All in. It's a pretty big number. To get this 392, which is the biggest engine they've ever put in a Jeep Wrangler, at the time to get it, to make sure we got it in our hands, we had to pay $110,000. Big over sticker ask. Doesn't matter to this client. That's, a, that's an irrelevant price to him. He just, you know, cuts a check, moves on with his life. It's a 16-year-old birthday present for his daughter. And so her favorite color is purple. And now this is the mistake a lot of people make in customization. I share this in a hyperclean specialist group in a video I shot, but I want to elaborate on why customization was much bigger 10 or 15 years ago. There, I mean, people would put wide body kits and big rims and you see all this extra paint stuff. And in South Florida, you still see that in parts of, uh, of Houston, Texas are still deep in that part of the business. But for the most part, customization is, is now just a wrap on a vehicle and maybe some rims. But there used to be, I mean, guys would cut bodies apart. And, there, you know, I know that culture is still there, but it's not like it once was. And what happened, honestly, is that it's very difficult to tastefully customize a vehicle. That's what I found in my career. And so this is where if you have the experience and you have the eye, the way that we do at VR, you're able to lead a build. Most of this work took place in California. We took control of this build. We walked through it. This is what we want done. But you have to do things in a way that doesn't look like, you know, a purple dinosaur named Barney threw all up all over the vehicle. So it's a fine line to make something custom that doesn't look extremely custom, that looks extremely custom, but doesn't have so much that it throws it over the top. Okay. So it's a fine balance. So what you really end up doing is doing more accent work around the vehicle. Instead of making the rims completely purple, you put accents of purple in them. Instead of making the emblems completely purple, you put purple outlines. To customize the interior, you, you use stitching. 
in the seats, the floor mats, the shifter, the the uh, the steering wheel. But you don't make the steering wheel purple. You make the stitching purple. I know it sounds simple, but the reason customization doesn't take off is because every time you go to a custom shop, they go completely overboard and they have all purple seats and then black stitching instead of black seats with purple stitching. And so we completely redid all the seating in this. We did diamond uh, insert seating with purple stitching. Easy, classy, custom. And for a customer that wants to be understated while also being custom, that's the sweet spot. Now, the question everybody's going to ask is, how do you put $100,000 into custom work, custom suspension, custom tires, custom wheel, custom paint? It adds up. And here's what's adding up now. You have less and less shops that can do this high-quality work. And so the price is going through the roof. We shared a race shop, I think last week or the week before, that thinks he can charge 2500 bucks just to do an oil change. And he's not trying to rip someone off. He's got to be, he's got to pay, he's got to get people to pay for his time because now he's getting backed up. Same thing we saw with this. We had to take the back rack, tire rack off and rebuild it once. Uh, which is now way better. If you haven't seen those were back racks on Jeep Wranglers are so bad. So we had to custom do one for the wheel, uh, the back uh, tire, excuse me. So it wouldn't bend. We had one that was so bad on another Wrangler. So we've over-engineered that. Custom suspension, custom fenders, you know, uh, you know, custom uh, running boards. This stuff starts to add up. And it adds up in a big way very quickly. Now, look, I don't know too many of us that had a 16th birthday present that was a $210,000 birthday present, but that's where the position my customer's in. But when you stare at it, you're not going to sit there. We got a little bit of a custom exhaust system, and it sounds mean, and everything's great. But I don't think if you did this three, four years ago that it's a $100,000 build. I think now it's so hard for us to work with people. It's so hard to keep people on top of things. It's so hard to do good work. And here's even the, the worst part. So the guy that did all the custom paint didn't cover up the hood and had to be heavily clayed. He's actually great at his job, but here we are dealing with massive overspray when it gets to my shop. So what we did is we heavily clayed the hood. We did uh, a light polish on it to get some of that marring out of it. Nothing too drastic, and then we laid Uno over the whole Jeep. Now, here's the interesting thing of why we used Uno on this vehicle, because we are going to maintain the vehicle, and we know that the reapplication of Uno is the best way to deal with his daughter. Okay, Actually, a longer-term coating, she could scratch it. She could have issues we need to be able to go in there and fix. A body shot might have to give to this. So here's kind of a big picture. If you use a three to five year coating or a heavy coating on this, if something happens where a 16 year old backs into something, whatever, you could create a body shop headache where a coating like Uno gives you all the benefits of ceramic coating. It's a little lighter, a little easier to deal with if something goes wrong. I can very easily get a polisher on it and fix something. And so now I'm playing the long game of the best solution for that person. 
And so I think this is an interesting project. And go to HyperClean Specialist and check this Jeep out. It's mean, but there's very few of you that would guess 210000 I wouldn't guess that. Except I know what this stuff is starting to cost. And if you need to rush all kinds of different things to get it done, and we had to. Now you're paying a crazy amount to get a project done. What a cool 16th birthday present. I hope she likes it. But how do you make something look custom without going over the edge? Why would you use Uno? Well, I'm going to use Uno because, look, I know 16-year-old girls and boys back into stuff. They get dings and scratches, and we need to go be able to attack those. If I got a heavy coating like Trey, I may be looking at sanding. If it goes to the body shop with Trey on it, we could be looking at a big headache. We've shared that on the podcast before. The one thing about long-term coatings nobody ever talks about is the trouble you could run into at a body shop. So we got to play the long game for our customer to avoid a headache, to avoid, see what I'm saying? That's kind of our job. I'd love to put Trey on this color because it would make it look insane. Not the right fit. I absolutely could have done it. Customer doesn't care what, what we have to do. They pay for whatever we tell them to pay for. It's the same reason why I always tell people, are you using Uno? Because it fits a lot of different applications. We actually coded with Uno the running boards. We coded all the metal pieces. Great. It's a great coating. Gives us exactly what we need for this project. So go to HyperClean Specialist. Check out that Jeep. Can't thank everybody enough for the support. You guys have a great weekend. See you next week.